Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Well, it's getting colder outside, at least in some parts of the country, and you're probably making your preparations for the holidays, and we're so glad you've joined us for this podcast. Uh, We want to celebrate the time by giving you and your family fun ways to hear the Christmas story. I'm John Fuller, and welcome to Season 6 of the Christmas Stories Podcast. Now, throughout the season, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, sharing ways that that first Christmas inspires us today to make a difference. I'm joined by my friends and focus colleagues, Diane Angolia, Paul Batura, and Lisa Anderson. And today, right before the U.S. Thanksgiving celebration, different in Canada, I know, but here in the U.S., we're right ahead of Thanksgiving. So what are some of the things that the three of you are looking forward to as we round the corner and hit the Christmas season full on? I always enjoy my grandkids, and this year we have a new one. So this will be really fun with the lights, and he just uh, took his first steps the other day. So it's going to be fun to have one more. Yeah, I love looking forward to our kids getting excited about it. And then our neighborhood just sort of coming to life. You know, it lights up. It's dark for, you know, the later part of November. And then each day as you get closer and closer, the the neighborhood just gets brighter and brighter uh, coming home from work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a fun tradition to look forward to. Last year, my church really upped its Christmas concert game. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this year. And actually, I just found out that my sister and my nephew are going to come for the first week of December, and so they'll get to join me for Mm. it. So that'll be fun to show them my church and kind of be part of that Christmas spirit with them. And for us, for Dina and me, it's 31 years of Colorado Christmas, and I'm going way back to that first one thinking, we're now empty nesters. We Mm. get to redo the whole thing. So we're going to be looking at everything a little bit differently this year. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Well, um, as you're enjoying the season, we're going to be focusing in, as we've said, on the story of Jesus coming to earth. And uh, we spoke with several of our focus staff members here who have described some ways that they first learned about the Christmas story. I think as a kid, I grew up in the church. My parents both came to Christ when I was like six or seven, more or less. It's a longer story than that. But uh, they started going to church and my mom was a a professional pianist. So she worked at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, and she was always the piano player at church. She played piano at the church that I grew up in for about 35 years. So I think my memories of the Christmas story are really interlaced with uh, with church, you know, and with my mom playing piano and playing Christmas carols. And so it has that, uh, I think a pretty holistic feel that I associate Christmas, the Christmas story with being in church with my family, which is a pretty good association actually. And honestly, by the time I was graduating high school, I was not even close to walking with Jesus, but I was still getting drugged to church against my will on at least Easter and and, uh, and Christmas. So it was also, I think, an anchor point for me during, a, I don't know, about a three-year span that I kind of did the, you know, did the prodigal thing. So I grew up in a Christian household, and so for as long as I can remember, I remember going to church and always... I mean, 
participate. They always had plays. They always have wonderful Christmas services. You like candles. Um, I was a shepherd in a play multiple times. I think I was a sheep one year. So I, you know, made my rounds in <laughs> different characters, I guess you could call them, in the Christmas story. So growing up, I grew up in a semi-Christian home. So I was influenced by both the uh, cultural, you know, Santa, Christmas trees aspect of Christmas, as well as I got to hear the Christmas story every single year. But what stood out really was the, uh, in my own heart, was my selfishness. And so what started off as kind of my desire just for gifts and for presents, um, gifts is actually one of my primarily primary love languages. So uh, I love gifts. I love giving gifts. And so Christmas became all about gifts. Um, and it wasn't until really high school, college, where the Christmas story of, of Jesus Christ uh, really made an impact in my life. And so uh, until I saw what Christ had done for me and the gift of Jesus, I really didn't have an appreciation for Christmas, um, where it's really about him. It's really about our act of worship towards him. And then the gift giving becomes a beautiful unifying aspect of, of our life, how we get to share in the salvation we have from him. As a kid growing up, I did grow up in a Christian household, and um, a part of my parents' story is that both of them did not grow up in households that did a lot for Christmas or that could afford the side of Christmas that is, I think, the inevitable, which is giving Christmas presents. And so um, I do remember always feeling like each Christmas we had a lot, and I think that was just something that my mom did because she didn't have that same um, opportunity as a kid. So I think growing up, it was a lot about the presence, sadly. Um, but something that I do think that my mom did really well was that to counteract that, she would write us notes from Santa Claus. And Santa would always remind us that the reason we celebrate Christmas is for Jesus. So I think it was kind of a good balance where I knew that the most important thing was Christ, but that, you know, also as a child, you're like, I'm getting presents. Yay. This is amazing. But my mom always did write us notes. And so I would keep all of these notes from Santa Claus and Santa Claus would always tell me, and we would just be reminded that it was about Jesus. Growing up, I mean, it was just being a pastor's kid. It was just a part of life. Like it was just... I can't remember when it was told to me for the first time. It had always just been a part of my Christmas experience. Um, we didn't do Santa in my house. We always did like, oh no, this is, these are gifts given because of this beautiful thing that God did. He sent his son down and we're celebrating his birth. Um, and so I think this happens, and I've talked to a, a couple of other pastor's kids and they felt the same way where... Um, because it was so ingrained in us from a young age, it was it didn't really have as much of an impact as it has for some people who didn't hear that story until later in life. Um, but as I got older and really became a Christian and made my faith my own, um, I really started to understand the impact. Because if you think about it, it is central to everything. Every single thing as a Christian in our faith. And it... Sometimes I forget, it's really easy for me to forget how important it is and how central it is. Because if God hadn't sent down his son, I would be lost. Like, I would not be able to um, 
you know, have the freedom that God gives us now to be, have a relationship with him, to be with him when we die. We wouldn't have the hope that Christians have. We wouldn't have the joy that we have. Um, And I think that's so important to remember. Um, The Christmas story, I think, is sometimes overlooked, and I I think it's so important and so central to everything. I was raised in a Christian home, and at the time I would have called myself a Christian, but having really come to understand what the gospel actually is, I look back on that, and I don't believe I was actually saved at that point. And so with that in mind, I think... Just for me, uh, you know, growing up, Christmas was always, you know, I, I always understood what it was about generally. This is Jesus Christ coming down to dwell with man. And, and you know, he comes down in the most in the most humble way, as a baby in a manger, you know, just very at the whims of his father, you know. And obviously, God had a plan and all of that. But when I was growing up, I didn't really understand all of that instead it was more yeah this happened okay let's open presents uh the whole story i understood it but my heart didn't really accept it for a long time you know growing up the christmas story kind of you know to me was just a lot of you know you go to church on the christmas eve service wake up in the morning open your packages, spend some time with family, eat some good food, and that was kind of it. You know, when I was really young, we definitely didn't stress as much importance of what that true meaning of Christmas is and the true story behind it. Um, And so praise God, um, he definitely brought a lot of people into my life and into the life of kind of our family to point us to him and to that original Christmas story and um, to who he reveals himself to be in his word. Um, and that was super powerful. So I would say there was definitely a evolution of where we, you know, were to eventually, you know, reading Luke's account of, you know, the birth of Christ and all of kind of what went into that. And so that was, um, you know, super powerful. It became a lot less importance of, okay, what am I getting for Christmas this year? You know, what's my Christmas le- list? What's Santa going to leave for me? And a lot more like, you know, the savior of the world has been born this day. And uh, how are we now going to live our lives for him, for his glory, in light of what he's done for us? So I would say there, you know, praise God, um, all glory to him. But there was definitely that kind of intervention there. Um, I grew up homeschooled pretty much uh, all the way up until college. And so um, we uh, met some families who were very strong in their faith um, and took their walk with Christ very seriously. And so they really kind of pointed us to that, not just, oh, you know, go through the motions again, you know, go to grandma's house, go to other grandma's house, open your presents. But, you know, this is Jesus um, who was, you know, prophesied in Isaiah to, to come savior of the world. And so I would say probably about 14 to 16 years of age um, for me and my brothers was kind of when we first really uh, understood the true meaning of, of what Christmas is and what it means, you know, for us as sinners in need of a savior. My dad came to Christ when I was six. I don't I don't remember a whole lot before that other than, you know, it's like Christmas loot. Ah, oh, yes. And, you know, tear up in the presents. Um, I think it's one that as you hear it over and over, there's a time where it finally clicks and you're like, oh, that's what this was all about. It's not just Mary, Joseph and a stuffed sheep on a stage. It's, oh, yeah, this was real people in a real 
situation and the very real God broke into this world and wow, here's why he did it. So yeah, it was a gradual thing for me, just kind of growing, learning. Oh, that's how God interacts. So probably the biggest way that I sort of learned about the Christmas story, my first real recollection is is we had sort of this tradition in our house where we would unpack the nativity set. You know, lots of families have these old plastic nativity sets essentially where where they have all these different characters. And so we would take them we would take them out piece by piece, one by one. And we would talk about each of the people who we pulled out and sort of their significance. Now, some of those people were never really part of the Bible story at all. You know, you had the three wise men and stuff, and we knew all their names. But, uh, but that was sort of how I learned about the Christmas story. That's my first real recollection of it. I love hearing those stories. Everybody has a different take. Everybody's unique in this. Uh, let's go ahead and hear some more now from broadcast guests. We're going to hear from Allison Pittman. After that, Deborah Faleta, Josh Straub, and Kay Wyma. My earliest memory of really hearing the Christmas story was with the Charlie Brown Christmas special. So uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special and I are the same age. It came out the same year. And we watched it every year because that was back when you had to purposefully choose a time and sit down together and watch. And I remember my whole family gathering around, and I loved that moment when Linus comes up and says, lights, please, and they dim the lights, and he tells this story. And my memories are from hearing it from Linus Van Pelt before hearing it from a church or a Sunday school teacher, and I'm sure that I did. You know, I'm sure that I heard it in church and Sunday school, and I'm sure we did crafts and all of that but to me it's that first early memory is my family gathered around watching that Christmas special and having snacks as a family in our living room that's my first memory of ever hearing it you know our family went to church every Sunday um, and especially on uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service is where I would experience that. I can remember even being at my Meemaw's house, uh, my, my grandmother, we would actually turn out all the lights in her house as a kid, and we would light candles, as many candles as we could come across, and we would sing Silent Night, and we would have our own little candlelight service as kids. Even in, I, I remember even doing it when it wasn't Christmas time. It was so, so funny. Uh, and I think part of the reason, so when I think of Christmas, especially as a kid, I always go back to her house because there was such a spirit of connection and joy and hope um, around that time. And it was, it really came out of the, I think, the love that she showed us. Um, but then also as a family, we would go to the candlelight service in the evening and, you know, we'd open a present uh, later that night uh, before Santa Claus would come. But my, my family did a really good job of, of, of teaching us, really, what the meaning of, of the Christmas story was all about. You know, our family, we would go to dinner, and then we would go to a Christmas service. And then, honestly, we would come home, and it was really Santa that was a big deal at Christmas during those times. And... As my parents, um, 
you know, aged slightly, they they came to know the Lord and the personal relationship that He offers through this beautiful celebration. And I don't think they'd ever really understood that before. And it was really through a Billy Graham crusade that my mother came to know the Lord. And that changed so much and definitely brought into the forefront the the meaning of Christmas that was a lot more than going through. And we really used to do this. <laughs> we would go through the Sears Roebuck uh, like magazine that they would send through the mail and circle what we wanted as gifts. And so it was really, I think it's so sweet when when Christmas changes from it being about the gifts that we get to the largest gift that we've been given. And what gives you so much more life in the kindness that comes uh, to each other through through exchanging gifts. So when I was a kid, I grew up in the Egyptian culture. My parents are both immigrants from Egypt, and so Christmas was a little bit different for us. I remember Christmas really being about church and celebrating the birth of Jesus, and so you would get dressed up. It was a really special day. You'd go to church. You'd learn about Jesus. You'd hear the the Christmas story. There was worship. And then the night would end with a big meal together with your church community. So it was a little bit different than in the American culture and and how my kids are raised in that Christmas wasn't really about the presents you were going to get, but more about the things that you were going to give to Jesus through your worship, through your time, through the celebration. Um, And so that's one of the things I really remember growing up. Those are some touching stories that really illustrate how simple it is to hear the Christmas story as a child and have that follow you uh, throughout your adulthood. Right now, our friend Emerson Collins is going to read chapter 1 of Luke, uh, verses 5 through 38. Emerson is on staff here at Focus, and he's been involved in our Bring Your Bible to School Day program. Hello, my name is Emerson Collins, and today we'll be reading Luke 1, 5 through 38 from the Holy Bible, English Standard Version. Now let's begin. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. 
and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You're going to hear the continuation of that story next episode. And uh, turning to my colleagues, Paul, I'm going to start with you here in a moment. What are some of the things that stand out uh, from that passage in which the prophecies were given regarding John the Baptist and Jesus and their birth? Um, how does that encourage you to trust in God? Yeah, the incredulity of it all is really what strikes me. The idea that the impossible is possible with God. An older woman, a woman who's a virgin, they both get pregnant. I mean, those are defying the laws of gravity, defying the laws of what we understand to be true. And yet that applies to all of us because there's always going to be times in your life where things just don't seem to make sense. And you're asking God to do something in your life, in the life of your family, that seems impossible. But again, the Christmas story reminds us that the impossible comes true. Hmm. I think that stood out for me too. It's two women in two different stages of their lives and neither one expecting what was going to happen next and literally expecting what was going to happen next. Hmm. Um, and one gave birth to a prophet, one gave birth to a king, and they had so much to share in common. And what a beautiful thing that God did that those two women could 
uh, commune together in a situation that was so alike and yet so different. Hmm. And I think it's just amazingly wonderful what God did for these women and how he does bring people around us to encourage us about what's next. And that Christmas story is like, yeah, what is next? Um, what's next is Christ and eternity. Hmm. I think too, John, um, remembering that after 400 years of silence, this is no small thing. I mean, the fact that no prophetic words, no visitation from angels or, or presence of God um, for generations, and now he's starting to speak. And now, I think it's very comforting to me to know, like, we see now the full story. They didn't have the full story. I mean, the angel didn't come and tell each of them, and by the way, your sons are going to die horrible deaths, but just, you know, bookmark that because we'll have something about that. And I think it's very encouraging to me to know that I don't need to know everything. God is working a plan that exists um, and has existed from the beginning of time, and he is in control. And the fact that he is my two favorite things, he is both sovereign and he is good. So he can do whatever he wants to accomplish, and he always has my best interests at heart. I just think that then timelines don't matter. He's got this, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Mm. I appreciate that. And I, just speaking personally, we've been in a season of expecting, kind of going back to what you said, Paul, expecting the impossible. We're asking God to do some miracles in some parts of our lives and our family members' lives. And as we do that, I think this season, it just holds great potential and encouragement because, as you've reflected, he does things his way even in the absence of any previous conversation with anybody for 400 years. He spoke, I can't imagine— how much um, pressure there was on these ladies, how much expectation was part of the process of being pregnant, what is going to happen. They were in a vacuum in terms of how this all plays out. So I'm asking God to do some big things, some God-sized things. I'm trying not to dictate what that looks like, and that's how we're going through this season. And as Advent is just around the corner, um, starting Sunday, November 27th, our parenting team here at Focus on the Family has an entire page of resources for you to enjoy the season. You can sign up to receive weekly devotionals uh, that really focus on the themes of Advent, and we're going to have links to all of that in the show notes. And if you're in a spot to make a donation to the Ministry of Focus, we would invite that. We're listener-supported, and uh, for a gift of any amount today... We're making the book available to you by Josh Straub. He was in one of the clips earlier. He and his wife, Christy, have written a book called 25 Days of the Christmas Story, an Advent Family Experience. It's a terrific book to go through with your kids. And uh, when you donate today, we'll send that to you. Uh, Find the link in the show notes or give us a call. Next time, we'll continue the conversation as we share the story of Mary and Elizabeth. And uh, for now... For Diane Angolia, Paul Batura, and Lisa Anderson, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Christmas Stories podcast.